Welcome to A Faith Dialogue with Bishop Robert J. Brennan for the third week of November in the 33rd week of Ordinary Time. Your Excellency, you're calling in from the USCCB Fall Meeting in Maryland. That's correct. Um, We began on Monday morning and uh, we'll continue through to Thursday. This is a great chance just to touch base with everyone back at home. And it's been a while since you've been with your fellow bishops in person. Yes. It's actually two full years. Our last gathering in person was in November of 2019. We skipped the 2020 spring meeting and then had last year's fall and this year's spring meeting online. So um, this is the first time that we're actually together seeing one another. Um, And considering that it's the bishops of the United States, uh, there's a little bit of distance, geographical distance between us. So this has been a real blessing to be together again and to see one another um, face-to-face. And uh, you have some general sessions, but you also have a lot of time with your fellow bishops uh, to connect with them offline and and to have some prayer time. Yes, and that's one of the great things about the meeting, and that's one of the things we miss. Not, you know, we got our business done online, but... Um, these are, these are good chances uh, just to exchange exchange experiences, ideas, um, things that um, we're trying to do in, in our own local churches and things that inspire us from the people we serve and um, and, and be, be together. Uh, it's always a chance for us to pray, but this year we began on a different note. We were beginning with a day of prayer. Um, I, I know a number of us, um, myself included, uh, wrote during the course of the year to say, you know, it's it's been a while, and it, 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 it would be good if somehow or another we could be together and pray as we begin, rather than just jump right into business. We need to... Uh, one another, but we also need to pray. We also need to be grounded in um, what is ultimately we're all about. Um, I, re- I was recalling how three years ago, um, two- in January of 2019, just before I was, I found out that I was coming to Columbus, the Holy Father asked the bishops of the U.S. to gather for a retreat, and we had a retreat in Chicago. And, and I remember how moving that was, how, how good it was. Um, uh, to pray together, and, and and you know, I think the Lord did some work. I, I, I think the Lord did some work within me, and I hope within all of us together. But um, it, I, I, I was thinking it would be good to do something like that. Now, that was a major, major undertaking, and uh, and I think there's some desire to do something like that, but at least to get started right now, um, to begin in prayer. So we began we when we started the meeting this this week, we began on Monday morning um, with prayer, prayer before the blessed sacrament. We prayed the office of the church, um, praying um, uh, sometime in silent prayer. Archbishop Kurtz, uh, the Archbishop of Louisville, Kentucky, and a past president of the conference, gave a reflection. Um, he spoke beautifully. Um, he used the image of uh, Barnabas in the Acts of the Apostles. Barnabas, the name Barnabas means son of encouragement. And, um, and the encouragement, he, we, he, encouraged, he asked us to think about people who encouraged us 
along the way in our own vocations. Um, and then to be that encouragement for one another and be that encouragement back at home in our diocese. Um, and, and so um, it, was a, it was a very uplifting time of reflection. And it's great because I remember when I was a new bishop, he was the president of the conference back in 2012. And he was a great source of encouragement. I didn't know him at all. And yet he went out of his way um, just to take this baby bishop and 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 and, uh, and offer some support and encouragement. So, uh, so we began on that note of of prayer, and then there was again more time for silent prayer, the sacrament of reconciliation, um, prayer, uh, the the rosary together. Um, it, it was it was just a good good chance um, to be united in what really is most important. You know, we're going to talk this week about the Eucharist. Uh, we're going to encourage our people to be Eucharistic-centered. It's something we've been doing as a diocese, right, with real presence, real future. Some, we be, we're, we're undertaking a major work in the Diocese of Columbus with real presence, real future. We're going to have to make some hard choices. We're going to have to listen to one another carefully. Um, or, uh, we, and, and yet, if we're going to do any of that, we had to begin on our knees, didn't we? And that's what this past Lent gave us, and, and it's still going strong, that, that we turn to the Lord in prayer, um, and that we follow Jesus' own example before he would do anything major in the Gospels. He would step aside to pray. Um, so um, so, so we, we kind of put a lot of focus on, on that prayer. And then we'll pick up the, uh, the agenda of the meeting. I've been busy enough. The uh, the document, the mystery of the Eucharist and the life of the Church, you alluded to that a little bit. Uh, it does not make a specific, explicit mention of denying the sacrament to any high-profile Catholics. Well, at this point, the um, the the document itself has not been completed. We have a draft of it, um, and um, it, and we have a draft of it, and. and just like with the first outline, that's, that was never the central piece of it. It really is, at, at its heart, um, a rediscovery of the meaning, the gift of the Eucharist, the gift that, that's given to us in the Eucharist. So the, the, the impetus of this document, if I could go back in time, the impetus of the document was this concern about our faith in the Eucharist. What do we believe when we when we talk about the Eucharist? We read some of those Pew studies that talk about um, even Catholics not really believing in the real presence of the Lord in the Eucharist. My my own thought is I think it's more a crisis of expression on the one level, um, but um, I, I think people may have a hard time explaining what it is. That's exactly, I mean, that's was the experience of the Church in the early sacraments, uh, coming up with the terms to, be, to explain what we believe, that, that the Eucharist is really and truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ. While it looks like bread and tastes like bread and wine, um, has all the appearances, we know that it's been changed in its substantiation into the body and blood of Christ, and it remains such even after Holy Mass. So, um, so, so it's an important um, belief. So, so the document really tries to 
recapture that and really be recapture that sense of being awestruck that God would choose to make himself so close, so available to us. And, and so that's the central point of the document, that we rediscover and become amazed anew in this gift of the Eucharist. While I said it's more a crisis of expression, and sometimes it depends how the question is asked, there is another crisis, that whether it be that we don't believe sufficiently or that we take things for granted, but, you know, when we look at mass attendance, um, uh, we want... We, it doesn't always reflect that this is such so important and so central a mystery, and and that the the profound nature of this gift. Um, so um, so so that's part of this. It's and the whole document is really part of a, even a larger project of Eucharistic revival. Um, the second thing in that document, is, or that impetus in the document, is the experience of the last two years. And, you know, really trying to gear up again and regather our communities after the whole experience of, of this pandemic. Um, and, um, and again, to find our center in Christ who gives himself to the Eucharist. And then to re- remember, even, even when we were in the height of the pandemic, we were we wanted to make sure we were keeping the day, the Lord's Day, holy Sunday, and uh, you know. So, um, think of the gift of Sunday. We we often look at the obligation of Sunday, and that's so important. We kind of lost track of that, but Sunday Mass, giving the day over to the Lord, a day of rest, and, and setting aside some of the ordinary work. Um, and uh, I know somewhere in the document it refers to a, one of my favorite sayings of, of John Paul II. Time given to Christ is never time lost, but is time transformed. We we think we're giving something to God. We give Him an hour of our time. God gives us so much more in return. God never is outdone in generosity. And so time that we give to Christ in, in Sunday Mass and giving the day to Sunday is always restorative, um, transformational, life-giving. So the document recaptures that. Um, it does pick up the question of... Um, you know, receiving the Lord in um, with, with with respect for uh, the uh, with respect appropriately. You know, um, and so there's that call, that ongoing call to conversion. To, re, um, to if you're not in communion with the church, to, be, to to seek to become in communion with the church. If, if you're in the state of sin, to seek confession. Um, but um, so it, and it, so it takes up some of those questions, but it's not about denial. Now, this is more me than it is the document. Uh, if you remember in the summer, I wrote about this in the Catholic Times. I, I think the issue belongs to the public figures themselves. But if you're not in communion with the Church, and if you're taking it as a stance, and not only taking a stance, but um, promoting actions, voting on actions that actually um, spread the scourge of abortion, for example, um, in such a in, 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 in 
such terrible ways as we see it happening legislatively and in regulations. Um, that's, that is a direct contradiction to, to um, the faith of the Church. And, you know, if you really believe that that's the right thing to do and you, stand, and you think that, that abortion is, is, that we need to take those actions to, that, that end up in taking the life of unborn children, well, then, then at least have the integrity to be honest that you stand in contradiction with the Church. It's not a matter of... It, it, it shouldn't have to be a matter of denying or not. It should be a matter of integrity. Just as if, if, if a public figure were to enter into a mosque or a synagogue, you would respect the faith, the teachings, and the practice of that, that religious body. I think it's fair to ask the same thing um, in terms of the Catholic Church and what we believe and how we live and what we profess is, is a real truth. And so um, I think some of these questions about denying shouldn't need to be asked. Um, so it's unfortunate that we're at that stage. I would hope people would take it as a matter of integrity, saying, well, you know what? What? <laughs> If you really, if you really believe that abortion is the right thing, well, then be honest about it. I'm uh, reminded of uh, Saint Margaret Mary Alaco when she'd heard Jesus say that, uh, "Behold, this heart which has loved all and has spared nothing, even to exhausting and consuming itself, in order to testify to my love, but in return have received ingratitude and reverence and sacrilege and coldness." Is that um, is that part of what you're getting at? That when you receive the Eucharist in, in uh, mortal sin, that we're not showing the reverence and we're not true to who we are. Well, that that takes it to another level because there's also the the personal nature of uh, of our, our own state, and you know we're all called to examine our conscience. Um. You know, it's not only about public figures. It's true for every one of us. And so I think the first stance that any of us should take is that, this, I, if, if, that none of us is worthy of such a profound gift, that God gives us that gift freely. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so we always approach the sacrament of the Eucharist with a sense of what, what we say before we receive. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. So what the approach to the Eucharist has to be one of humility and honesty, and then turning to the Lord who is merciful and asking for that gift of his mercy. Lord, I'm not worthy. And yes, if we're conscious of mortal sin, it behooves us to approach the sacrament of reconciliation. You see, that's the good news. This isn't a matter of exclusion or denial. This is a matter of a call to conversion and a call to to experience God's merciful love. But in order to experience God's merciful love, we humbly need to admit that we need it. You know, 
So, um, so, so all of us, before we ever approach the Eucharist, we need to examine our conscience and, and say, Lord, I'm not worthy. But then you take it a step further. I mean, again, if there's a sense of mortal sin, um, the, the good news is that God gives us the means. God gives us the remedy. And that's, that's um, the, the heart of that worthiness. So, yeah, and, and so, yes, the, the, the um, revelation to St. Margaret Mary in, in itself is to experience the gift of the... Jesus talks about oceans of mercy that he offers us um, in his sacred heart. So it's it's a call to to his mercy. Bishop Brennan, that is uh, truly beautiful. I know that you're going to be at the USCCB fall meeting uh, through Thursday, but you're going to have a busy weekend with Christ the King coming up. This is a yes. We, you know, uh, here we come now to uh, really that last Sunday in the last week of uh, liturgical year before we start Advent anew. Um, how interesting that it's my last weekend here, um, and I'll begin right at, you know in those early days of Advent in Brooklyn. But um, yeah, I'll be at the, the Parish of Christ the King. That was long on the calendar. I'll have a chance to offer Mass in English and in Spanish there. I was there last year because it was we celebrated the anniversary of the parish on the feast day. Well, actually, I was there during, not on the feast day. I came later for the anniversary of the parish. It's still sort of in that jubilee year. And so we're going to celebrate that identifying Christ the King, that, that identity of who we are. Um, and then uh, in the evening, um, I'll be going to the Newman Center. Now, that I did add in as, a, <laughs> as sort of one, one, one more chance to... Uh, celebrate with our young adults, with our college students um, um, be, before I go. So I'm looking forward to uh, being at the Newman Center on Sunday night for, for Mass. And then um, um, during that, that week with Thanksgiving coming up, I'll be heading off to make the transition. But, but what an important week. When we celebrate Christ the King, think about this. If you declare someone to be king, that means... That means he is the highest authority. There is no other. And the Feast of Christ the King is not about triumphalism. It's about the rejection of every other power, you might say, that stands between us and Jesus Christ. We're saying that it's Jesus Christ who is supreme of all. It is God who is supreme, and no one else, not me, not any power on this earth, not any um, idea um, or system. It is Jesus Christ. And this year the readings, you know, go, go, go to the, the, the crucifixion scene when Jesus is standing before Pilate, and Pilate says, truth, what's truth? Jesus came to testify to the truth. He is the truth. He is the truth. And, um, you know, so go back to Jesus' day. For, for Christians to make that claim that Jesus is king and no other, boy, I, I don't think Caesar liked that very much. <laughs> no, I, I know he didn't. No. No, he didn't. And um, and so, um, so 
same for us, too. It's Jesus Christ who is King. It's the Lord who comes to us, the Lord of mercy, the Lord who comes to us mercifully in the Eucharist, who is supreme, who is King. And so our making, celebrating this feast this Sunday is a way of saying that He is the center, the heart of it all, and that our desired way of living is to identify completely and totally with Him, so much so that we conform ourselves to Him. And His is the reign, His is the kingdom of, of mercy and of goodness, of um, uh, it, 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 His self-emptying love. Um, he doesn't ask us to do anything that He hasn't already done for us. And so we, we recognize the amazing things that God is doing in our lives and try to conform ourselves to His. So, um, so yes, this is, a, this is a powerful weekend. And while I'm still saddened to be leaving Columbus, I'm, it's, it is kind of nice to finish on this note that the most important thing of, of who we are, if, if I go back now over these last almost three years, the central focus has to have been Jesus Christ, and any any ways that I fail to do that, um, that I I ask His mercy. But any ways that and, and but you know if we can always try to interpret everything we do through that lens, that it's all about proclaiming Jesus Christ, who is the, the true center of everything we do, everything we are, um, and. Uh, and so yeah, this is a this is a very appropriate way um, for me to uh, finish up my service here with tremendous, tremendous thanksgiving to God um, for the wonderful people who are here and for the ways that the Church in Columbus, or the, these twenty three counties of Columbus, proclaims Jesus Christ King every single day. That everything we do, all of our the sacraments, the works of charity the education, the health care, everything we do, our social lives, it's all about that the, the splendor of truth and the joy of the gospel keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Bishop Brennan, could you close us with a prayer and a blessing? Sure. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord Jesus, we praise you living and reigning above us. We entrust our lives to you, and we pray as you taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. May Almighty God bless you and your families and all those whom you love and keep you always in his love in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Brennan. We'll be praying for you and all of our bishops this week. Um, and if you'd like to listen to Bishop Brennan's podcast, you can go to stgabrielradio.com or the St. Gabriel Radio app. And now we rejoin our regularly scheduled programming already in progress.